Welcome to the MedEvidence Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Corrin and Michelle McCormick. MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the real truth behind medical research with both a clinical and research perspective. In this podcast, we'll have discussions with physicians that have extensive experience in patient care and research. How do you know that something works? In medicine, we conduct clinical trials to see if things work. Now, let's get the truth behind the data. Welcome to MedEvidence, powered by Encore Research Group. Go to EncoreDocs.com. I'm Dr. Michael Corrin, and it's my pleasure and privilege to be leading this session of the MedEvidence Hour. And I have with me Dr. Charlie Boris, who is a good friend and a tremendous researcher, and now somebody who is a practitioner of medical marijuana. Thanks for having uh, Thanks for coming in today. Oh, Mike, glad to be here. Good Beautiful. to see you, too. So this is uh, now our third session discussing your practice. And I want to get into sort of the nitty-gritty of the types of patients that you're treating in your practice and and some of your successes. So why don't you give us you know, two or three examples? Yeah, anecdotes are fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the top three conditions we see include pain, anxiety, and sleep issues, insomnia. And cannabis works like a dream for all of those. But we also treat some really, really sick individuals that come in. And the anecdotes and things that I hadn't gleaned from all the articles I've read over the years has been surprising, some of the clients that come in. One of the ones that comes to mind was a really delightful woman with terrible eye disease from her hyperthyroidism. She has Graves' disease and also has Hashimoto's, which are both autoimmune phenomena. Her left eye popped out of socket. Wow. And she went to the emergency department, mm-hmm. and they did whatever they could do to stabilize it, you know, kind of put it back in. And they talked to her about having to break out the back of her socket, brain is right there, mm. to deepen it so the eye would sit more normally in there. Well, The other option they gave her, radiation therapy. Mm. Irradiate, hopefully shrink some of the tissues there. And of course, she was a bit terrified of both and chose not to. She came in to see us for other conditions. She had the pain. Of course, autoimmune disorders respond to cannabis as well. Sleep, anxiety, all of that. Of course, more anxious with the eye popping out, wondering when the other shoe's going to fall. And so we got her started on cannabis, dialed her dose, got her pain under control, sleep, anxiety under control, and the state requires for recertification follow-up in seven months. We saw her, and she was ecstatic. You know, look at my eyes. And they looked pretty darn good. Still a little bit Mm. of the proptosis, the bulging, but nothing. She brought in pictures to remind us as well, this is what I was like when I first saw you and had that ER visit. So, you know, stay the course. She was doing well. Saw her for the next recertification. She looked normal. Wow. She was over the moon Hmm. with what her eyes looked like. Hmm. I never read that anywhere. I'm not sure it's been reported anywhere, but we got to see What were her thyroid levels during that period of time? She said they were in the normal range. The whole time? Yeah. Wow. They were in the normal range, Hmm. monitoring closely with an endocrinologist. So it doesn't seem to have any correlation Hmm. with whatever her T3, T4 levels were doing. But she was just ecstatic, and that was just such a pleasurable experience to see her go through that. You're going to write that one up? 
I don't know. You I should. Don't know what to Let's do, do that. With it, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's I a great case get report. It out there. This yeah. is one way to start getting that knowledge out there. Right. right. We 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 don't want to be. Um, we don't want Mass General to get credit for this. Exactly. <laughs> So another anecdote that was pretty interesting, and actually one of the sickest people I've ever seen referred by a rheumatologist, 45-year-old former RN Mm -hmm. just hit with so many problems, multiple autoimmune disorders, terrible lymphedema and neuropathy and complex regional dystrophy type problems. She got to the point there was so much swelling in her feet that her toenails were falling off and wouldn't regrow. She couldn't paint her toenails. There were mm. no toenails there. Well, Got her started on cannabis. She was mm. on heavy-duty opioids. Within mm. a month, it was 50% less. All the conditions were responding well. Dramatic improvement in her lymphedema. She felt it was at least 50% better. We got a call about four weeks in after treating her, another ecstatic call, I'm growing toenails. <laughs> I can paint my nails, which is a woman. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. So that, those are the sort of things that humanize mm-hmm. the treatment of medical cannabis, not just how your conditions responded, but how's your quality of life. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, Why don't you give us one more? Those are really cool anecdotes. Any, any other comes gonna, to mind? I am. I'm going to give you a young man. He was 38, brought in by his mother. 38, okay. And he... That, that could be a little embarrassing to be brought in by your mother, well, mother at 38. Well, she to get him. He was uh, living okay. out of the state, and okay. she brought him back because he had really gotten in trouble with heroin and uh, other okay. drugs and that sort of thing. Mm. When we saw him, it was really hard to even communicate. It turns out later I oh. discovered he told us he was withdrawing from heroin as we saw him. Mm. The first time I've ever seen somebody going through it. It's not pretty. Mm. So... Got him on cannabis, and I got to read what he wrote back to us because it was just impressive to me. Give me one second here, because I like his words better than what I could come up with. Well, if he was withdrawing from heroin, it sounds like a John Lennon song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cold dirty. So here's what he wrote last time we saw him. I have stopped using illegal drugs, including heroin. And I have started interacting with society again as a normal person. Well, he had reduced his intake of the buprenorphine mm-hmm. as well, and was studying to become a middle school teacher. So this guy has gone from what could have ended in death, mm-hmm. and now he's on his way to becoming a productive member of society again, humanizing what medical cannabis can do for somebody. So as opposed to the old gateway theories that cannabis leads to harder drug use, it looks to us more like an exit drug. Hmm. You can exit from the hard drugs. People are reducing 64% reduction or elimination of opioids. So many benefits. Alcohol use, cigarette use, our research has shown that goes down by 92%. Wow. Well, Let's put it this way. 92% of the people we saw had reduced or eliminated nicotine use. So those are great statistics. And so my question as fellow clinical trialists is what are we doing to to capture this information and how do we um, help structure these observations in a way that are most impactful? 
Good question. <laughs> Nobody is seeming to do, I mean, this is obviously subjective reports, but sure. it's something. Mm -hmm. The way I look at it, nobody has a reason to tell me anything but the truth. There's nothing to be gained by making up the fact that I got off heroin and did all those sort of things. Mm -hmm. So we're capturing that information. I'm compiling it. I'm using it to help educate myself because it's what nerds do. We have fun doing sure. research sort of things. But also I want to use this as a tool to educate more healthcare providers, mm -hmm. let them have a glimpse of the other things that cannabis can do beyond just helping your pain, sleep, anxiety, or whatever else it is. Yeah, and, and I would also think that because this balance between CBD and THC is such an important part of the recommendations, if there are ways of even randomizing people to either more or less of each of the components so that we come up with the best concoction as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Has that work been done yet, to your knowledge? I don't know, mm -hmm. but I do see articles where they make mention of the need to have both constituents present when mm -hmm. we're treating certain conditions. Parkinson is one in particular that comes up, that that's the key to the kingdom. Basically, any neurodegenerative disorder needs to have CBD on board. Mm -hmm. And just a quick word about CBD, the over-the-counter CBD, which is hemp-derived, it's different. Mm -hmm. Medical cannabis is clearly better than mm -hmm. that that is derived from the marijuana plant. Mm -hmm. And there's been issues with no FDA analysis of the products, so whatever's on the label isn't always what's in the bottle. 68% of the time they didn't match up from two outside studies. I, I've heard there's a rule about that. So those hemp products that you buy at a gas station, for example, what percentage of CBD can they have or just it's inform? It's THC that's the rule. You okay. want it to be pretty much the vast majority of CBD, so, but it has to have less than 0. 0.01% THC. Okay. okay, but there's no regulation at all on the CBD component? Correct. Okay, so the stuff you get at a gas station, how how would you know that it's medically effective? You don't. <laughs> okay. You try it and go, I got no benefit. Got it. So that's another reason why you would want to work with a professional, of course. And it's actually more expensive than what you can get from a dispensary. Is that right? Yes. Well, <laughs> who would have known? Who would have thought of that? <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs> right. So Easy money. So, so tell me the kind of referrals you're getting from, from the medical community. We get a lot from rheumatology in particular. We get a lot from neurology, um, but rheumatology is the big one because they've been able to see the benefit of so many of their clients with autoimmune disorders or just pain you can't quite get on top of. I mean, in this era where it's a it's a challenge for physicians and healthcare providers to prescribe controlled products. You've got to go check the state mm -hmm. e-force uh, protocol yeah. to see what's on there. It takes a lot of extra time, limited amounts you can give, and then always the worry about overdose and addiction and that sort of thing. So they see the benefits. What we put out there is send us your toughest clients the ones that you've tried all your tricks and you're really not making the progress you want or that the client deserves, and they'll do that. They've sent us, like the one I mentioned earlier with the lymphedema. They see those benefits, and then they're pretty sold. If it can help this client, it's darn sure going to help these others. Mm -hmm. And 
I think another important um, element of your practice, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that your long history as a traditional physician should be extremely helpful. And, it was. And, and, and how do you infuse that knowledge and, and where do you, where's the barrier? Where, where are your limits, especially when you're dealing with other consultants and other people in the medical community? I'm able to leverage the reputation I was able to establish over these years. And a lot of them, even if they don't know me, they know my dad and the mm-hmm. reputation that he had. But there's a certain legitimacy to that. When clients come into our office, they know they're seeing a physician who was able to be a practicing physician for 36 years. I didn't go into cannabis because I couldn't cut it mm. as a regular physician. I went into it because I wanted to bring something else to the table. I did 36 years of prescribing traditional medicines and loved every part of that career. Now I'm able to help more people that I can't quite help or couldn't right. quite get to that. So just from a practical matter, if somebody comes in, you're, they're being sent for anxiety, their blood pressure is 200 over 110 when you see them, like, how would you handle that? Obviously get back with your mm-hmm. doctor, but the knowledge that medicinal cannabis is going to help lower the blood pressure rather than raise it is reassuring. Mm-hmm. And the lack of significant interactions with any of the antihypertensive products out there but I'm going to be like a regular doctor. Yeah, I, I'd so imagine it. need to get some attention. Right. Well, Looking well, for symptoms, of course. Well, and, and, of course, uh, there, there is a certain subpopulation that I'm sure would say, well, I'm getting medical cannabis now. I don't need traditional medicine. And I, I assume that you would not necessarily advocate that concept. That is a good assumption <laughs> and a true assumption. Heck no. We don't want – I never intervene with prescription drugs provided by another physician. But I tell them, once you dial up your cannabis dose, if you've had a dramatic response, which many do, talk to the prescriber to see if y'all want to try making the adjustments. Yeah, I'm going to want them to get help with that kind of blood pressure. (laughs) Sounds great. So in our next segment, what I want to address is some of the misconceptions, because there's still a lot out there. And I think it's very, very important that we address them very specifically. Michelle McCormick, and we want to thank Dr. Michael Corrin for his clinical and research perspective behind the science in this episode of Med Evidence, the truth behind the data. 